I've never visited the USA, but it's great to meet some of you and to to have fellowship with you. Um, and when I've spoken, Steve Stephen will um, choose the people to pray because he knows you better than I do. Bless you all. I'm sorry I've only joined the last few weeks, but uh, I didn't know about it before. But I've been thrilled to bits, uh, and I'm glad to join this prayer time. Um, and a great greatly appreciated Stephen. Thank you so much for putting the messages on the last few days I've listened to them um, and I want to just uh, say that I was greatly encouraged by um, Dr Richard Cross's address on Psalm 27 14 which I listened to uh, afterwards and uh, Derek um, Keating is it from Australia uh, he gave his situation or gave a description of the situation in in Australia and it's very very similar uh, to us here in the UK we face many of the same desperate problems here so uh, to please pray with us right now um, let's turn to the, the word of God and I want to turn to Exodus chapter 33 um, I'm not going to read all the verses I'm just going to read a few verses um, and then I'll put them in context so Exodus chapter 33 I'll read verses 13 uh, to 15 now therefore Moses comes and he prays now therefore I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from hence. And then from verses 18 and 19, just 18 and 19. And Moses said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now, the context of this, of course, is the sin of the people uh, uh, while Moses was up the mountain. And as you know, as he came down the mountain, he, he cast the tablets of stone and broke them. And uh, then Moses interceded for the people in chapter 32 and verses 11 to 14 uh, 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 to avert the righteous wrath of God against their sin. And the end of 32 uh, verses 25 to the end of the chapter, the people are chastened and punished. And at the beginning of chapter 33, God commands them to depart. He says he will send his angel before them, but he has withdrawn from them. Verse three, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. What a tragedy to lose God's immediate presence from our midst because of our sin. But verses four to six speak of their repentance and in verse six, they remove themselves of their ornaments. And that is symbolic of the fact that they were naked and exposed before God because there are no secrets with God. And verse seven, Moses takes his tent and pitches it, pitches it outside the camp. And those who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle to meet with him, the Lord Jehovah. And they have a great sense of the awareness of the presence of God described for us in verses 8 to 10, God's glory descending upon, the, upon Moses and upon the tabernacle. And I'm sure that what we long for is for God's presence to rest upon, upon us, that intimate, glorious fellowship um, described for us in Psalm 126, for example, and other places. 
and the wonderful importance of prayer. But Moses is not satisfied. And so he continues to plead and pray with God. In verse 12, in verse 13, in verse 16, in verse 17, he pleads that he might find grace in God's sight, God's favor. And God says he is known by name. And uh, Moses says he knows God by name, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Joseph, knowed, known by, by name. And Moses is still not satisfied. And I'm challenged by that because I wonder whether sometimes we're too easily satisfied. Moses had great experiences. He'd already been up the mountain with God. Um, he'd had great experiences of God, but he longed for reality. And I think sometimes we perhaps maybe, forgive me, I don't want to tread on anyone's toes, but I think sometimes we, we sometimes look for experiences, great emotion, and yet to some extent, as one of my dear friends who's now in glory used to say, Sometimes it's, it's more like a cardboard cutout rather than the real thing, the real sense of the presence of God. And Moses is not content, and he reveals something of that in verses 15 and 16, when he says, if your presence does not go with us, don't take us up hence. And I think sometimes we want instant answers. I'm, I'm so thrilled by this prayer meeting because it's been going on for a year. I'm sorry I wasn't there at the beginning, but that is important. We need to pray much prayer before revival comes. But do we long for God's glory? And Moses longs for God's presence, for glory, and he appeals to the sovereign God in verse 16, longing for a clear, unmistakable demonstration of the grace of God grace pure and simple and that is granted in response to the pleading prayer of Moses and God graciously answers his request not worked up but God coming down on his praying people Daniel tells us doesn't he that the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits the men and women who've really come face to face with God can do anything Moses saw most of the children of Israel die in the wilderness, and yet he longed for God to visit them. Now, that's been characteristic of many revivals, of course. The Korean revival in 1907 and following was begun with, and I quote, an irresistible impulse of prayer, an ocean of prayer beating against God's throne. But at the end, when revival had come, and you can read about this in the great book on the Korean Pentecost. Some of the people said, if we had known what it would cost us, we would not have prayed for it. And yet, and yet, for God to come down is our only hope, surely. And we long for that. Now, there are some people who have said in our country and maybe in yours, I don't know, that all we need is an experience of the Holy Spirit. And they somehow emphasize this experience. And that having received it, some emotional ecstatic experience, that they think they've got everything they need. My friends, I say gently and kindly, if that is all we need, then God help us. Now, I'm not denying the great works of God. But true revival 
will affect the nation and the ungodly will know God coming down upon his praying people. Now, some of you know about the power of prayer in the great New York revival of 1858. Some years ago, there was an article in the Banner of Truth magazine and reported that leading up to the revival, many became praying men and women. My friends, let's keep at it. This is wonderful to be able to come to the God who answers our prayer. And what did Moses pray? He prayed, Lord, prayed, Lord, show me your glory, verse 18. And what does God say to him? I will make all my goodness pass before you. I think that is wonderful. Moses prays for grace and God, for, 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 God's, uh, for God's glory, and God shows him his goodness. I love Psalm 103, the way in which God speaks of his love for his people and his grace for his people. And we need to know God, don't we? And when God comes down, there is a great effect upon the world at large. How we long for that. In uh, my country, in uh, Great Britain, um, between England and Wales, uh, just on the borders, there's a place called Wrexham. And in 1904-1905, the great Welsh revival of 1904-1905, God worked in a mighty way in a church in Wrexham and in the whole of the surrounding countryside. And somebody was journeying to Wrexham and they wanted to know when to get off the train. And the station master said to them, you will know when you get to great, great, great Wrexham, you will feel it. Now, that's an amazing thing. I wonder if God came down in that way, we would know that. I worked for 21 years at a church. I was pastor of a church in Cornwall in the southwest of, uh, of, uh, of, of Britain. And uh, not far from us was a place called Tucking Mill in, in Cornwall. And back in 1821, there was a great revival uh, well, there were a number of years, but in 1821, it came uh, to a number of people in Tucking Mill. And there was a family and they were reading the Bible one morning. And suddenly there was a knock at the door and somebody had been going past the house and felt the sense of the presence of God. And they were so amazed that they knocked at the door and they said, can we come in? Can we join you? And God came down upon the whole area. And they moved to the church and they began a prayer meeting which lasted a week. And one of the people who was sweeping the street heard of this. He was an utterly ungodly man. And he put down his broom midday to eat his sandwiches. And he saw a robin pick a crumb of bread dropped from his sandwiches. And in a flash, God spoke to him and showed him that he was the bread of life and he was converted. Now I've had the privilege, I have never been to the States, but I've had the privilege of going uh, to, uh, to India, to Tamil Nadu in India and also visit the Philippines. And in my early visits to, the, to Tamil Nadu, to a small group of churches right in the middle of the country, far away from the 
regular main towns. And I have seen things happen there, which I, I, I hesitate to call revival, but they're not far short of it. I used to go, I would go and I would preach uh, in some of these villages. I had nothing to bring. The Indians, the Christians uh, followed up and dealt with that. And I would go and preach and I would go back again in a year's time. And there would be a church in a village that had never heard the gospel before. And there would be a building. And in a tiny village in the middle of nowhere, there would be a hundred people meeting. Amazing, amazing things. And so I just say to you, my friends today, what do we desire? We're, well, we long for revival, but brethren and sisters, we need more than that, don't we? We need for God to come down, for God to come down. Moses' face shone. He didn't know it at first, but the people saw that he had been with God. And I often think myself, I say, how much do I know of this? All too little. We need for God to come down. Let me end with a, another very brief uh, uh, illustration from uh, the Welsh revival, uh, uh, one of the earlier Welsh revivals of a previous century. And one of the men who was appointed to preach uh, had, uh, when he went to bed one night, he had a vision of an angel. And in the vision, he asked the angel if the Lord would send a representative to the meetings maybe an angelic representative to the meetings. And the angel said in his vision, uh, I will go and see. And he came back and the answer was no. And the man felt a real sense of great dismay. And then the angel said, the Lord has said he is coming himself. Wow. Now, that is an amazing thing, isn't it? All oh, that God would come to us and encourage us and bless us and revive us and that the world may see and that many may be changed by the glory of his presence and of his saving power. Well, I just leave you with that, my friends. And I hope that would I was going to quote you a, a hymn, but I'm sure my time has gone. A lovely hymn, but I'm sure my time has gone. Let's pray with earnestness and zeal and glory for God to come down upon his people.